Good morning, church. That's, that's one of those songs you just want to keep on going. There's a lot we could add to that one. This morning, I ask that you uh, would take the time before you leave to say hello to someone that you've never met or you've never seen. We ask you to do that before you leave this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. O great and masterful and merciful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the patience that you share with us. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning in your blessed gift. Please help us to keep our minds focused only on you. It's in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We ask and pray these things to be thy will. Amen. Welcome to each of you, both members and visitors alike. We are thankful for your attendance with us this morning. We've been talking about the walking dead. But now we're going to shift to seeking the living among the dead. And, and I want you just to give me a moment, please. Allow me to first, in this lesson to think about and talk about our lives, and then we want to relate this to Jesus. How does this relate to Jesus? You know, freedom is one of those things that we're always looking for. And, and many have believed, I have believed at one time, that freedom was outside of Christ, right? You can find life outside of Jesus, that that was real life. That if I had enough fun in my life and enough pleasure in my life, that was life, right? That was living. And you go, man, I'm, I'm there, right? Entertainment, that's living. That's life, right? Is it? Seeking fulfillment in the promise of money and materialism to give us happiness, to give us life. That's life. And then somebody messed that up and said, you can't buy happiness. And then someone else said, I'll prove to you that you can. And yet they realized you can't find life without Christ. You can't find life in materialism and in money and all those things. We chase glory. We chase as humans affirmation, reputation, affection. Even politics, right? And we call that life. That's what living's all about, right? When we inevitably fail to find true happiness in these places, we fall into hopelessness and despair. And then we begin to do this next thing. The shift happens. We begin to blame God right, for my unhappiness. We begin to blame the church for my unhappiness because I couldn't find life in the world. And in all of this, we're searching for life, but we're looking for it in the wrong place. We're looking for it among a dead world. Seeking the living among the dead. There's no life 
First John, please, chapter 2. In a dead world. The world is dead. It's not alive. The Bible tells us in verse 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also is lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. And here's what Satan does. Second Peter, please. Chapter 2. Satan promises freedom when he himself is a slave. No slave can offer freedom because he doesn't have it himself. And yet, so many of us are drawn into that freedom that isn't really freedom. His false teachers do the same thing. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, these are springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And yet knowing and understanding these principles, even members of the body of Christ are seeking for freedom in life from a dead world. So Solomon says it like this. I've been there. I've done that. I've tried it all. I had the power to do it. I did it. And here's what I want to tell you, church. Verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work which he's done under the sun. And you'd say, I found life. And I'd say, no. Not according to the word of God. Not according to the God who knows it all. What about the disciples? The disciples struggled a little bit. Matthew chapter 16. We read the Bible. So here we're talking about life, right? We're talking about the dead world. We're talking about life. And, and the disciples were with Jesus, and they heard Jesus speak, and they heard Jesus say these things. He said to them over and over and over again, the same message over and over and over again that brings us to the gospel. And I wonder sometimes how many times Jesus has to say it for me to really get it. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. Listen to what he said. From that time on, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Third day. Matthew 17, verse 22. And while they were gathered together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, 
the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. Matthew 20, verse 18. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Matthew 27, verse 63. Listen to what they said. Matthew 27 and verse 63. They said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. On the third day, I'm not going to be there. Luke chapter 18. We're going to put all this together here in, in just a moment. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 31. Listen to, again, the same message from Jesus to the disciples. And he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. So he says, look, I'm telling you, this has been taught for thousands of years. I'm telling you the same thing. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scorched him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Luke chapter 9 in verse 22. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected among the, by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Luke 24, beginning at verse 1. You, you heard it, right? I, I heard it. What did we hear? The prophetic message. <laughs> we heard the gospel, right? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to be gone on the third day. Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, this is the third day, by the way. At early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Let me come back to that in just a second. Acts chapter 2. After receiving all this knowledge, they went to the tomb on the third day. Why did they go to the tomb? Let me, let, me come, let me think about that for a minute. Let me come back. Acts 2. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin to preach the message of God. Peter is preaching. And listen to what Peter says. 
based on what the Holy Spirit has given to him. Acts 2, verse 25. For David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand that I may be shaken. Therefore, or may not be shaken, excuse me. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou wilt not abandon my soul's Hades, nor allow the Holy One to undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou hast, thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet, he knew that God has sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel message. The victory in Jesus. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what also I have received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke 24. Luke 24. Okay. <clears throat> so may I ask you a personal question? Why are you still on the fence? If you're on the fence. I mean, where is your faithfulness? Well, let, let me talk about them first. Let me get back to them. Luke 24, verse 5 it's really an amazing and fascinating verse because, because verse 5 tells us what happened. They went down to the tomb, the Bible says, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus in the tomb? You say, preacher, would you have been, would you have been I, maybe I would have been down there as well. Verse 6. He's not here. But he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And the question is, why are you down there at the tomb on the third day when Jesus said he's not going to be there? Why they even go to the tomb? I wonder, church, if we really believe what the Bible says. I wonder that. I mean, as I look amongst church members and I think about church members and I look over the life of church members, including myself, I wonder how many of us really believe what the Bible actually says. I mean, we read it and we come to worship, but when we leave the building, what kind of lifestyle, I wonder, at times 
do we actually live? Do we live as if the resurrection happened? Or do we straddle the fence? Are we still looking for life among a dead world? I mean, have we figured it out yet? I mean, the Bible says it, but do I believe it? Is it really something that resonates in my heart that I'm a child of God and I'm alive because of Jesus? And that Jesus is my number one. He will forever be my number one. And when people come along the way and try to pull me away from Jesus, I stand up and say, no, because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, I live my life faithfully because of Jesus. Why are you here today? Because of Jesus. Think. Matthew 7. So now I'm going to look at what Jesus said about life. Now either Jesus is telling us the truth or he's not. Either we believe it or we do not. Are you seeking life among the dead? A dead world. So much to say about this, this topic, this morning. Someone asked the question, Christians, why are we digging through the filth seeking freedom? Why do we do that? So listen to what Jesus said about life. Listen to what the Bible says about life. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many of those who enter by it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few, few are those who find it. This morning is your focus on, I've got to be a part of the few, or you're a part of the many. There's destruction in the many, but in the few. Are you a part of the few? Or are you a part of the many? The many are looking for life among the dead, but the few know that life is only in Jesus. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Why would I find myself looking for life amongst the dead. Verse 11, the book says, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son does not have the life. Where's your life this morning? Where is your life? John 14. Is my life mixed up with the world? Am I seeking for life amongst a dead, dying, passing world? Verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the life. You know, no preacher, the life is entertainment and, and the life is in my fun and the life is in my, my fulfillment of the world and worldliness and life is in worldly glory and affirmation and happiness. And what did Jesus say? I'm not saying we can't have fun, and, but you can't live in sin. That's not life. That's death. I'm thinking about the... The disciples, and I'm asking myself, why in the world, why did they go to the tomb? <laughs> and then I have to ask myself, why are you seeking life among the dead? <laughs> How many times did Jesus have to tell them he's not going to be there, the tomb, and they still went down to the tomb? And how many times does Jesus have to tell us that life is not in the world, and yet we still seek it in the world? See the relationship? John 10, verse 9. I'm not even exhausting this. I just want to give you some passages. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have Life and have it abundantly. Not just life, but an abundance of life. That's Jesus said that. Preacher's not saying that. John 1. Remember reading about the creation? In John 1, beginning at verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being that's come into being. And nothing is coming to being apart from him. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. But he is life. Life is in him. Why am I seeking for life among the dead? In other words, I guess this morning, what we could take from this maybe is, how much of my life am I giving to Jesus? Turn to John 6. Have I given him my all yet? Am I at that point where I'm giving Jesus my everything? Just a little bit. You know, got to have the world, right? Got to have all this deadness. A little bit of life. When Jesus asked the question in John 6 and verse 66, after that difficult teaching, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And where are you going to go? You don't have Jesus. Where are you going to go? Where can you go to a dead world? To leave Jesus is to leave life to go to a dead world. To leave Jesus is to have life and even eternal life to go to a place of hell in a hellish world. You say, preacher, the world's not that bad. Well, because you're not looking. Right? We have to open our eyes up and look at the world. The world is dead. 
Sometimes we're surprised. I can't believe they did that. Why not? It's a dead world. Why don't you believe they did it? Why don't you believe they said it? It's a dead world. Why am I seeking happiness and joy and peace and contentment and all those things in a dead world? Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There's nowhere to go outside of Jesus. We quote it, John 3. John 3, we quote it a lot. The world quotes it. Christians quote it. But what is it saying to us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Not just in this life, but also in the life to come. This morning, the question is, why were they at the tomb? No. This morning, the question is, why am I seeking for life among the dead? That's the question. Where's my faithfulness, my commitment to my God? It should be this, this, this thing where we look out in the audience and we come into the building and, and we, we just, we see the same people every Sunday. Thank you, God, for that. And then we just add one more next week and then one more the following week and then one more. And we just keep adding to the same number. But the number should always be the same. The same people. All of you should be here every Sunday because this is where life is. It's in Jesus. And then we just add someone this week. Go and talk to someone about Jesus this week and get them here to learn about Jesus. Teach them in Bible studies about Jesus. Help them to understand that life can only be found in Jesus. Maybe you remember some of your old days. We won't maybe rehash those, but those times and we had fun. Many are dead. Many are still suffering. Many have lost their lives spiritually. Many are spiritually dead. Many are suffering an eternal death. But they had life, right? You know what we've done? I'll tell you what we've done. This is what we've done. Listen to this. Uh, we, have, we have even... I'm going to Acts 2 and I'm closing uh, once we get there. We've even decided that at the death of an individual, now we're going to say this. This is a celebration of life for a man who was outside of Christ. Let's celebrate his life. What was there to celebrate? Oh no, but it's part of the church now too, isn't it? Start celebrating life. What is life? It's not outside of Christ, church. And Satan has deceived us into believing that you can have the good life. You can have the good life outside of Jesus. And that's not true. In Acts 2 and verse 37, after hearing this powerful message about Jesus and the resurrection, right? And because of that, there's life. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and 
said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, What did he say? It's the same message for everybody. Everyone has to come to Jesus in the same exact way. And he said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Someone says, I don't know how to teach a Bible class. Can you just read that? All right? And someone says, well, tell me about life. They say, well, let's just start reading, right? This is where it begins. Acts 2, 30. You need to give yourself to Jesus. And here's what you do. Here's what God promises you if you just give it to Jesus. And here's the thing, right? Though the message went out, they weren't saved yet. They weren't saved. Not yet. They had pricked in the heart. They had repentance. Yeah, that's important. You hear the gospel and you believe it. And your heart's pricked. That's important. And you're ready to confess his name. That's important. But they're not saved yet. Listen to the next verse. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified. It's almost like, you know, the preacher gets up and he starts trying to convince you of what the Bible says and the Bible's true. You thought life was making sure your children graduated college and had got money. That's not life, church. That's not life. See, we thought life was when a guy gets that famous contract, whether he be an athlete or be a movie star or whatever, that that's life. That's not life. Life is in Jesus. He's trying to persuade them, right? And with many other words, the Bible says, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this dead world, this perverse generation, from this dead, perverse, evil, corrupt world. No, no, y'all say, no, no, corruption is only in politics. Well, yeah, it is in politics, but it's also in the world. The world is corrupt. It is dead. Right? It's dead. Do we see it? They're not saved yet. Still trying to convince them. Next verse says, so then, those who have received the word ah, were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Thank you, God, for adding people to you. Right? And then they just kept on meeting together, right? They continually met together, and they met together in fellowship. That's when they got to experience what true life was all about. Right? This morning, I encourage you. I encourage you to give your life to Jesus so that you can have life. And some of you might say, well, I've already been baptized into Christ and, I, and, I, and I'm a Christian and I, I, I get it. But if you let go of the world, the dead world yet, let it go. Turn it loose. This morning, the lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.